Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. You know, you have the jars that when you can jellies and jams and stuff, those are called preserves. God preserves us. I like that. He has a way of keeping us from getting weird. Whether I was with them, I was in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them has lost except the son of perdition. The scripture might be fulfilled, speaking of Judas Iscariot. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Remember, joy is different than happiness. Happiness is when everything goes my way, I'm happy. Uh, Joy is in the midst of trials and problems and things not going my way. I still go, God, you got it under control. Big difference. I I need joy. Uh, Happiness is fleeting. And I have sometimes in my life confused the two. But I want to be careful because I realize that, that I want to have a peace of heart in the midst of problems. And sometimes in my life, when I have held on to happiness rather than joy, as long as the lights are green, I'm happy. When the lights turn red, I'm not happy. But joy keeps us happy when the lights are red in our life sometimes. And so we always want to remember that. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy filled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. I've heard it compared to Jesus is saying, God put them in the boat. They're in a world of, uh, of uh, and, and, but you keep them in the boat, you keep them safe. And uh, our prayer is that, God, you keep the water out of the boat, too. So we don't get kind of messed up by them. So he says, I don't pray you take them out of the world, but uh, you protect them in the world. That's why we're still here. Uh, We're light, salt. You know, that's what we're saved for. That's why we don't instantly go to heaven when we accept Christ as our Savior, because we're here to be salt and light. They are not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. I like that. That's why if the world doesn't like you, we do. See, see, the world is weird. Again, world is on that sliding scale of relativism. And what might not be right today might be wrong tomorrow. In fact, the Bible says relativism becomes so bad in the last days, and I believe that's where we're living, that evil will be called good and good will be called evil. That's the sliding scale of relativism. So how dare you, narrow-minded, Bible-thumping fundamentalist, to think a woman is a woman and a man is a man. You need to get into relativism, where we really don't know what they are. Boy, that would really confuse somebody at the DMV when they ask male or female on your driver's license. Don't know. 
You see, the Bible is real simple. And so here's the problem, friends. You say, well, how do you know that that's, how do you know the Bible's right? How do you know it isn't relativism? How do we know it really doesn't make a difference if you're a man or a woman? Live it out and see how it goes for you. That's how you know. Proof's in the pudding. The bottom line is live it. If you live thinking everything is on a sliding scale, it won't be long till that sliding scale comes back and bites you. Because that's what laws are. Now, our laws, people say, how dare the government and you Christians making moral laws on people. Friends, let me tell you something. Every single law that we have in one way or another should be or is or was a moral law. How do we know killing is wrong? Because the Bible says killing is wrong. And you say, well, I don't really want to believe that. Well, wait till someone kills you and then tell me how you feel about it. You see, relativism is a, is a, is a bad master because then nothing matters. Nothing is absolute. Well, how and where? Now, if you think about it, if you're, if you're a little bit older, you, you remember back in the late 60s, early 70s, and we got into the free thinkers. And, and so this is where, you know, you begin to imagine things that, that couldn't happen. Well, th- this was the, the first footstep into relativism. Now, I'm not saying that this isn't uh, sometimes necessary for inventions and things. But the problem is, when it comes into moral governance, that's where the problem comes. And so if you allow as yourself as a Christian to get into the sliding scale of relativism that Hollywood, the news programs are, are doing, the, the, these news uh, networks are also the same ones that are making the sitcoms that we all watch every night. And they have the canned laughter to laugh at things that really aren't funny at all. In fact, if you have a chance, turn down the, the laughter after every statement and you'll find it ain't funny at all. They put the canned laughter in to make you think, oh, everybody thinks this is funny. And it's not. It's tricks, smoke and mirrors. That's what the world does. Jesus said, they're not of the world, Father. We're not of the world. You don't feel like you fit here? Good. And here's something important. If you are fitting into this world, you might want to do some praying and realign your purposes as Jesus did in verses 1 through 5 on your father's relationship with you and yours with your dad. Because the thing is, we don't fit here because the world is against the things of God. Then he says, again, verse 16, so important, They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So therefore, verse 17, sanctify. That's some nice Christianese for us all. But the word sanctify simply means, Father, set them apart. That's what the word sanctify means. So isn't it nice to know you're all sanctified in here? Now back in the late 60s, we were all psychedelicized. Now we're sanctified. What does that mean? We're set apart. What are we set apart for? God's purpose. Isn't that nice to know? You're not just homogenized into the masses of relativism, but now you're in Christ. You're in him. You're in his word. You're part of him. You belong. I like that. 
They're such an important part of belonging. Do you know what they say? That is why the gangs in the major cities of America are growing. They're not getting less. They're growing. Why? Because the gangs offer them a place to belong. Oh yeah, the crazy, absolutely insane things they have for initiations from the whole gang beating you to a pulp to committing some crime or whatever. But the thing is, once you do that, you belong. You know, we were designed by God, every one of us, to belong. You need to belong. Don't think there's something wrong with you because you want to belong. That's why people uh, join car clubs and they join civitans and they join uh, Rotary and all that because we want to belong. We want to do something together. God wants you to be and belong to him. Did you understand that? As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I set myself, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified by truth. Wow. That they may be sanctified or set apart by truth, not relativism. Do you see the difference? When you, it's really hard because it's when you can identify the enemy, you can deal with it. I don't know if any of you have ever had something on your mind that was bothering you, but you didn't know what it was. In fact, you lay your head down on, on your pillow at night and you're just angst out. You're just laying there going, you know. And you think, now what am I upset over? Am I upset over my family? No. Am I upset over, and you start going through the checklist of why am I kind of in a ball of nerves right now? And when you can get your hand on what that is, you can begin to pray about it and deal with it. But most people, they just stay in this ball of nerves, never really able to go to their great counselor in heaven, their father in heaven, and break it down so I can say, okay, God, this is where I need you to help me. You know, it's funny that in Isaiah, he says he's our wonderful counselor. Friends, you need that. Now, everybody realizes their need to talk to somebody, and so people go pay a couple hundred bucks an hour and talk to a psychologist. But, you know, you can go to God for free. And God likes to hear us. Well, I don't want to bother God with my problems. God loves to be bothered by your problems. Why? He's bigger than your problems. And he helps me and helps you get the proper focus on what it is. Okay, this is the problem, and this is what we do about it. Now, sometimes, friends, God doesn't tell me what to do about it. Sometimes, he just gives me a verse in the Bible that he gave Peter. Casting all your cares upon him, he cares for you. I leave it there, and I can rest. Now, remember, we all have issues. This side of heaven, we always will. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, if I could just win the lottery, I wouldn't have any more problems. Well, once you win the lottery, you're going to wonder and worry about losing your money. Well, if I put it in this bank, the bank goes broke, then I'm broke again. What am I going to do? You're never going to be without issues. Your focus can't be in this world. It has to be in heaven. And so Jesus, as he's praying, first of all, for himself, then he prays for his disciples that they would be in truth, Then Jesus goes on in verse 20 and prays for us. Now, whenever I read the Bible, I like to find myself in it. Who do you identify with? I'll tell you a funny story. 
And, and I, I, we used to have Konania on Sunday night in the park years ago. And, and there'd be like a group about our size and we'd go through one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And okay, all the ones come over here. All the twos get over here. All the threes get over there. And we'd just be underneath the trees. And we'd read a Bible story. And then I would just ask some questions about the story. And I gave the parable of the, that Jesus gave of the man who had two sons. And the younger son came to his dad and said, Pops, I want my half the farm. I want to go be funky and free. And so his dad says, well, son, I wish you wouldn't go, but writes him a check and says, here you go. This is a Mike paraphrase, okay? He writes him a check and says, here you go. The son goes off, the young son goes off, and he's funky and free. Free and funky. Everything's great. And he runs out of money. He ends up eating with the pigs. Now, for a Jew boy to be eating with the pigs, you are at rock bottom. And he comes to his senses and he says, you know, my father's servants are treated better than I am. Maybe if I go home, my dad will accept me back, not as his son, but maybe as a hired hand. And at least I won't have to eat pig pods. So he goes home, his father sees him a long way off, which tells me something important. Tells me his dad was looking for him. Sees him a long way off, run, puts a robe on him, comes home in his fruit of the looms, put a ring on his finger, and throws a party for him. The older son comes in, he says, what's all this music and dancing I hear? Well, one of the servants said, your brother has come home. That good for nothing, bum, Blew half the farm on riotous living. I ain't got to go in that thing and have a party with him. Wish he never would ever come home. Servant went and told his dad. Dad comes out and says, older son, what's your problem, pal? Ah, that bum son of yours comes home and you throw him a party. I've been here all these years. You never threw a party for me. His dad said, the whole farm is yours. But you need to rejoice that your brother who was lost is found, has come home. A lot of things in that story. One of them was that the son says, you never threw a party for me. His dad says, the whole farm is yours. You could have a party whenever you wanted it. He forgot who he was. That was none. But another thing that was really weird was that he didn't see his brother coming home. He saw it as a liability. Well, anyway, we broke up in the groups. Who are you in the story, I asked. That was one of the questions. And it went around the circle. And I remember one person said, well, I know what it feels like to have somebody run out on you. I feel like the dad. Because I had my kids leave me and it really hurt my feelings. And the next person is really amazing how people relate to these Bible stories. Another one says, well, I know what it feels like. I had a spat with my brother and I was mad at him. And I relate with the older brother. One guy said, well, I relate with the guy that ran off and was funky and free. And we came to the last girl and she was there. And I said, who are you in the story? She goes, honest to God, it, it, it knocked me back in my chair. She goes, I'm the pig's. I mean, I, my brain goes, <laughs> what? She goes, I'm the pigs. I said, oh, honey, you need Jesus. 
And you know, that girl prayed and accepted the Lord in her life that day. And what I think is so amazing is how God ministers to us. And what people will identify with in the Bible. We'll quickly read this. I don't pray for these alone, but those who will believe in me through their word. Speaking of the disciples as they preached. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Isn't it funny how much Jesus wants his church to work together? You know why? Because you can do great things when you, when you got resources, when you got abilities. But if everybody's always dividing over somebody stubbing their toe, well, hey, then not much, very much happens. You see, when you, a couple of things we have to realize. One, God is good. Two, we're not. <laughs> that's, that's established. Paul says, as sinners, I am chief. Current tense. So we're sinners saved by grace. Aren't you glad you realize you're clothed in his righteousness? That's what allows us to do things together, that they would be one. I and them, verse 23, you and me, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundations of the world. I think that's really important. There's a lot of religions around that say Jesus did not exist before he was born in Bethlehem. Well, right here it says that you love me before the foundations of the world. By the way, this is a little glimpse of the Trinity. That this unity they have, they're in each other, around each other, surrounded by each other. This is what God, how the Trinity works. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three being one. I don't completely understand it. Sometimes I've heard it explained like like ice. Uh, You have ice and you have water and you have steam. I think a better illustration might be an egg. You, You have the shell, you have the white part, you have the yolk. If you take away the shell, uh, you don't have an egg anymore. You might have an omelet, but you don't have an egg. Uh, if you take away the, any one of those parts, you don't really have an egg. Yet every part is an integral piece of what an egg is. And if you don't have all those three pieces, you don't have an egg. Well, God is, I think, not simplified that much as an egg. But the thing is, we realize that there's something that's, and I think when we get to heaven someday, we'll, we'll know more. The Bible says it's a mystery. But we look for that. So he says, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I've known you, and these have known that you sent me. In other words, you want to know what the Father's like? You look at Jesus. That was lost in the garden. Long time ago, God would come and walk with man in the cool of the evening. Sin separated, that evening walks with God. And from that time to the time of Jesus, that was all just what was God like? And then Jesus comes along and says, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing. You want to know what the Father's like? Look at me. That's what Jesus said. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So once again, what was lost in the garden in Jesus has been restored. 
And so he says that they would know that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. God wants to be in us. Isn't that weird? You know, it's funny. The Bible says God does not dwell in buildings made with men's hands. As nice as some of these buildings are. But he's chosen to live in you and me. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Because no building in the whole wide world is as intricate and as complex and as lovely as you. Men can build things out of sheetrock, plaster. It's all going to burn. But you, the Bible says, you're going to live forever. And so how important it is that we find our identity in Christ. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to become one. Here's why. Get out of relativism. If you're in colleges or in schools and you hear relativism relativism taught, I I fight it uh, because it is just simply not true. Relativism is that which, if it feels good, do it. Uh, it's true if it's true to you. Wrong isn't always wrong. It's how you feel about it. Well, if you live that way, that will destroy your life. That's why you know the Bible is true. The proof is in the pudding. And, the pop, and, and what, what it's saying here is that if you follow true biblical theology, it's going to change the way I think about life. It's going to change the way I think about my fellow man. It's going to think, change the way I think about abortion. It's going to change the way I think about government. It's going to change the way I think about everything because, because there is truth, a rock, a standard in our life that is lacking in the world. That's why Jesus said, the world don't like them. But God loves you. If you don't fit in the world, that's okay. The world's going to hell. You don't have to, you don't have to fit in that. You just let God do what he wants to do in your life. Again, if you're not a Christian here this morning, two things. One, you have no one to talk to. You talk to yourself. Hi, self. What do you think I ought to do about this problem? I don't know, self. What should I do? I don't know. Well, since I don't know, maybe I ought to check with Ann Landers. I don't know. Maybe I ought to ask my drunk friends. I don't know. I'll find out somebody. You're going to find yourself chasing your tail. The Bible says you have a mighty counselor. You have a father in heaven that loves you. Whereby Paul says we cry, Abba, Father. We crawl on his lap and say, Daddy, help. I need that. That's the first thing. Second thing is you have no absolutes in your life. You see, and that's where the problem comes. How far can you go? How drunk can I get? How many drugs can I do before I cross the line and die? There's no line. But you know, when you come to Christ, God says, you don't need any of that stuff. Why are you doing that? To alter yourself so you can cope with the issues of life. Hey, how about me helping you cope with the issues of life and save your money? Hey, I like that idea. You see, if the Bible says we're sinners, we've done our own way. But when we come to Christ, we ask for forgiveness. He heals us. He moves inside of us, just as we just read, that I and them, God would be inside of us to help us do things we could never do. I want to encourage you today, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, pray today. Just say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to. Let me ask you a question. Do you want 10 more years like you just had? Or is it time for a change? If it's time for a change, you pray this this morning. Repent, let God do it, let his goals be your goals, not your goals be his. You'll find a big change in your life. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. 
I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. And that you realign my priorities in my life. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. So now I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And may each day I walk in your love and in your power. Forgive me when I sin, and God help me not to sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.